You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. We are live from 5.30 until 10. I am live solo from 5 to 5.30, again on 6.70, your radio home for Cubs baseball. This is season one. It is episode number 42, and we're calling this one No Way Jose. I love the title, Crowley. You're here as always. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing better than the decision by Terry Francona to start Aaron Savali against the Yankees, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of take a look at it. And I love, you know, you know, I guess people always ask me like, once the Cubs are out of it, how are you, you know, how, you know, are you still into baseball? And of course, I think for me, like if the Cubs were in the postseason or collapsed late, it's too hard for me to watch. But the fact that they were so far out of it, I can just kind of lay back and enjoy these postseason games. It's really interesting that you brought that up, Crowley, because it's something that I always find amazing, sport by sport, as, as somebody that's been working in Sports Talk Radio for 20-plus years. Um, Willie Harris was on yesterday with the Parkinson Spiegel Show, and they asked him about if he was taking in the postseason. Now, here's a guy that's basically waving the flag that he wants that job at 35th and Shields. He's happy to be the Cubs' third base coach, but he wants that job at 35th and Shields. And he's like, nope, don't watch him. I'll watch the World Series, otherwise I catch the highlights on the four-letter network, that he needs that decompressed time. Like, I found it amazing being at over 10 Super Bowls over the time that I've been doing this. So many players come down to the city, the host city of the Super Bowl, but then they get the hell out of there either Friday or Saturday, and then they go back home and they don't watch the game. I find that amazing that they don't watch the Super Bowl. I find it amazing that these guys don't watch the playoffs. Yeah, you know, for me, like I said, like when, when there is that intensity of a playoff run, and I'm not even a player, I'm just sitting in the stands, right. and there's that intensity of the playoff, and you've given everything, like you, like your whole heart and soul, and you're watching, you know, scoreboard watching, maybe four or five different games because the outcomes may matter, and then to fall short, I just need to walk away for a little bit and take a breather. Understood. Understood. All right, let's get into the uh, Solar Sox, Crowley. Last time we kind of, I think, opened some of the listeners' eyes up to that. Maybe give us a quick uh, reminder exactly how that works, and then let's talk about what some of our uh, young Cubs have been up to out there. Yeah, the Cubs uh, are part of a team called the Solar Sox, along with the Marlins, A's, Yankees, and Tampa Bay. Um, And they have some pitchers in there, and they have a couple infielders, a couple of outfielders, especially – you know, when we talk about Matt Mervis and Brennan Davis and Owen Casey, you know, some really uh, high-profile names over there. Uh, Friday, the Solar Sox beat uh, the Saguaros 9-2. to Matt Mervis went for three with the home run and two RBIs. Uh, Riley Martin came in, pitched 1.1 innings of relief with one hit, no runs, and three Ks. Now, Saturday is interesting. The Solar Sox tied the Desert Dogs 1-1. to Mervis was 0-2. Cassie 0-2. Murray 0-1. B.J. Murray, infielder. Zach Lee pitched one inning. He had one hit, no runs. Um, but the big story about Saturday, and they don't—they never play on Sunday, um, and they beat the, the Desert Dogs on uh, Monday. Owen Casey went one for three at the walk. But the big story was Saturday, okay? On Saturday, they did this big thing where they had three games back to back to back. So you're talking some of the top-tier talent in all of baseball 
we're all in uh, Chase Field where the Diamondbacks play. So normally the games are like, you know, the, the Solar Sox actually play in the, in the Cubs home park uh, at Sloan Park. But th- for this day, so you have all the scouts there, all the everybody's there, right? So you're, you're going to catch six games. And it's not, like I said, it's not like normal baseball. You know, sometimes you only do seven innings, right? But still, 21 innings is a heck of a long time to be watching baseball all day. But it's kind of like, okay, everybody's looking to see not just, the, you know, your own players, but other teams' players. These are all top-tier talent right there. And the guy that we've been talking about, Brennan Davis, um, he had the nerve issue in his back. It was taken care of. But they sent him to the AFL to get, uh, you know, some more at-bats because of all the, you know, he lost a lot of the season. If you remember, we talked about this. He was taken out of the game 10-10, that October 10th, right? Uh, he, it was, I want to say, the second inning, and he had a very long at-bat, good at-bat, but uh, he was removed after that at-bat prior to the third inning. And in the article in The Athletic on October 13th, so Sahad of Sharma wrote that sources indicated that he was expected to return this last weekend, that Friday, and especially for that Saturday. Expectation is Brennan Davis is going to be there with the rest of the top prospects, and he was not there. He was not at the stadium, and he did not play. So that is something that right now, I, I mean, maybe it's just the, 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 the scarred Cub fan in me, but I'm a little bit nervous as, you know, the reason he's there is to get at bats and he hasn't played in a week. Right. right. That definitely sends up a red flare. There's no doubt about it. Now, hopefully it's not a personal issue. Hopefully it's not family related, those things. And obviously also hopeful that it's not something that is a big injury. Maybe they just thought, listen, he hasn't played too much. Maybe he's pushing it too hard. Maybe it's just best to tap the brakes and wait till late February, early March. Uh, that, that, you know, it, it, to me, it, it wouldn't make any sense to put him on there on the AFL if you weren't going to give him those at bats. So, you know, I, I, I'm very nervous because the Cubs kind of sometimes are not the greatest at diagnosing injuries. I get a little bit worried about that sometimes, or sometimes something comes out weeks later. So until I see him, you know, swinging a bat, I'm going to be holding my breath, which isn't a good thing to do. I've been holding it nope. for about a week. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath, Carly. Don't do that. Uh, you know, I'm going to side on the on the side of caution. I understand the the, the panic in your voice right there, the angst, the uh, popping some tums, if you will. But let's uh, let's let's hold on and let's uh, we'll do a little investigative reporting between now and the next episode of the Fly the W670 podcast. Something else that we spent a lot of time on the last podcast and we'll continue to be talking about is Matt Mervis. He just told us what Mervis has been doing as a solar sock and i want to get back to that before we move much farther on but i want to address uh, something i saw on your twitter account that i then retweeted off the mullion haw account which was keith law having some unflattering opinions on a matt mervis yeah so keith law because of like i said because they had that big showcase on saturday he went out for about uh four or five days out in arizona to kind of check on the different you know you it's so close all the different spring training facilities in general when you're in Arizona there, it's not far. And so he went out there to check because these are, again, some of the best prospects in baseball. You're gonna have a lot of these guys in the AFL are going to be breaking through to the major league next year. And who knows where they'll go from there. But uh, this is from Keith law. He writes, I've gotten a lot of questions about Cubs first baseman, Matt Mervis, especially after he homered twice in a game last week. I saw all three of his home runs during the week while I was there and all three came on hanging breaking balls from right-handed pitchers he's not likely ever to see in the majors. Mervis was undrafted twice out of Duke, graduating in 2020 and signing as a free agent with the Cubs, who started him in high A this year. Um, he hit well enough to move up to double A and again move up to triple A, hitting 297, 387, 593 with just a 12% strikeout rate. He's very strong but does not have great bat speed. And even if the pitching light AFL has difficulty with velocity middle in, or Justin showed up very quickly when pitchers did come inside. Uh, even with just average fastballs, he couldn't do anything beyond popping them up. I could see a role for him as a platoon first base DH like Daniel Vogelbach, but not beyond that, end quote. Okay, I mean, Daniel Vogelbach, I, I, it's not terrible, but that's not what the Cubs need right the second, but that's not terrible. He's not shaped like Daniel Vogelbach, at least. That would be a little more <laughs> scary. I mean, the, the people in New York seem to love 
Daniel Vogelbach, right? What was he? Sh- my milkshake, right? He came out to the milkshake song or something like that. Yeah, right? you like, know, he became a, a, a kind of crowd favorite. Um, listen, I, I think I think we might have I think we might have stepped on the gas a little bit too fast with Matt Mervis as well. I think if the Cubs are to be believed, and I am willing to let them make me a believer, Crowley, the answer for first base for 105 games next year, let's say, is not Matt Mervis. It's not. And, and that's and that's and that's why we talked about you know and we'll talk a little bit again today about that hot stove first base spot, is is that you just don't want to put that pressure on that kid, which is, which is what I've been saying to go up three levels in one season is a lot, and and you don't want him to get struggle you don't want him to struggle in the major league levels. It's so hard to figure that out, and then if all of a sudden you get demoted, then you know you got to kind of go through your headspace with that kind of stuff. Um, Alex Cohen, who saw, you know, he's been on the show, friend of the podcast, play-by-play voice for your Iowa Cubs. He tweeted out that respect Keith Law. He went by what he saw. I've seen Mervis pull an elevated 98-mile-per-hour fastball off a lefty about 430 feet. No concern about his bat speed. Now, the one thing I'll tell you about Keith Law, and this is kind of what he's known about, is sometimes he is somebody that will be more hesitant. We all jump on the bandwagon as fans, and we get excited. He's usually one of the guys that kind of pumps the brakes a bit, but sometimes people feel that he pumps them a little too hard, if you get what I'm saying. Understood. Is that yep. there, there's no reason to bring up the fact that he was undrafted twice, and you know, it just kind of was, it seemed a little bit snarky, I guess, to some. Maybe, maybe because we want him to do well, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I think on this podcast, we've been pretty clear that, you know, give the kid another half a year at least in Iowa just to see what happens. And we were talking about possible solutions, and that brings us to the hot stove. Maybe Keith Law got a bad hot dog at Wrigley in the press box, or he didn't. He, he got put in the auxiliary part of the press box, not the main part of the press box. So maybe that's why Keith's got a little uh, burr up his backside. Who knows? All right, Crowley, let's talk some uh, hot stove and uh, part of that, of course, is first base. And uh, there was some interesting reporting from 670 The Score's very own Bruce Levine. On Friday, you and I were discussing possible first baseman, and one of the guys we talked about was Jose Abreu. And Bruce reported that Jose Abreu is very high on the list of players that the Cubs would like to add in free agency this offseason, uh, kicking the Jose Abreu can, if you will. Yeah, and, and and you and I both talked about this, that I don't think either of us were, you know, honestly, if they got Jose Abreu, would I be upset? No, I, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to say no. You know what he brings as a player and as a leader to the team. That be, you know, you know, the White Sox have a lot of guys banging on that first base door and Jose Abreu is not getting any younger, whereas the Cubs, you know, Matt Mervis is the, you know, the one guy that people keep mentioning. Um, when you talk about, Jose Abreu, right? He hit just 15 homers in 157 games in 2022 after hitting 30 home runs in 152 games in 2021. Dustin, he's going to be 36 years old next year. And maybe, maybe. Again, yeah. Okay. According to his birth certificate. He's definitely not 34. (laughs) He's not 35. He's at least 36. At least. Right. And and so you need that pop. That's what Jed brought up repeatedly. And that's really scary that the home runs dropped in half. And you're talking that, you know, with the White Sox at ballpark, everyone always talks about Wrigley being a launching pad. Uh, The G-Rate or or Comiskey is way, way more friendly home run hitting park than uh than Wrigley than I would say Wrigley Field is Wrigley Field gets kind of that rap because when the wind blows out sometimes it goes crazy but you know you got to remember the wind blows in just as much yep so you get those weird crosswinds too so I think that I'm I'm a little bit more nervous about that I that idea of Jose Abreu to me if you're going to go older you know there's other guys that aren't as old that you could do for you know that that couple year high high pay uh high aav contract well josh bell was a guy that i had mentioned last time now i'll be very interested to pay even closer attention to see how he does in the nlcs um crowley the other thing that i wanted to see what bruce would report is and i think this would be important any cub fan is what are we talking about with jose abreu meaning dollars and cents in years are we talking two years 20 million 
Are we talking four years, 30 million? Like, what are we talking about here? Right. I can't, I, you know, I, my guess would probably be something in the two year range with a mutual option for a third for year. A third? Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That and I, I'd say, you know, probably, what, dollar amount? What, what would you guess? What, what do you think? Eight, eight a year, 10 a year, 12 a year. What, what do you think? You I would guess her closer to 12 a year if I was going to be a betting man. Okay. Okay. See, I think for me, even though it's not my money and that's probably a day of a really good day of beer sales at Wrigley field, $12 million. Um, still a little rich for my blood. Yeah. You know, I, I, it all, it all depends on what they're going to do with free agency. If you're telling me, Jose Abreu or the possibility of Patrick Wisdom and Matt Mervis. I, I I want the insurance policy. I'll pay the insurance policy. You know, you know, you know, I think they can act like a big boy club and that's not going into that contract. A two year contract isn't going to affect payroll in any way, shape or form in the long term. So now how, I, about, I need what some our, sort of uh, how about what our buddy Gordon Wittenmeyer wrote? <laughs> Gordo, of course, stirring it up as always friend of the podcast. Uh, he said, you know, what about the possibility of an Anthony Rizzo reunion? And he talked a little bit about it. Obviously, Rizzo can opt out of a two-year, $32 million contract halfway into the deal. So um, you talk about, what, $16 million a year is what his deal was. And he turned 33. He's going to be 33 pretty much. the So the entire season next year, he will be 33. He hit 32 home runs, and he hit 75 RBIs. Now, people say the short porch that accounted for like maybe four to five home runs that wouldn't have been out at Wrigley field. Okay. So you're talking about, you know, maybe 28, 27 home runs. Um, when you talk about uh, defense, he is a much, much superior defender than Jose Abreu. Um, he did have that back issue that always flares up every year. You know, you see it happen. Um, the question is, is, you know, is that bridge burned right now? Is it too soon? You know, with some bad feelings that, you know, Rizzo clearly disappointed after leaving um, without the extension he felt that he deserved. Uh, he seems to be enjoying himself in New York. The other thing in New York is that he doesn't have to be the man, right? He doesn't, it doesn't ride on him. When you're talking about Aaron Judge and you're talking about Stanton, who hit a three-run home run today, and you're talking about those guys, you know, when you talk about Rizzo being like a third, fourth, fifth option, you know, at this point in his career, that's that's kind of a pretty good thing as opposed to you need, you know, Anthony Rizzo to be one of your top two hitters. That's a little bit of a stretch, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings on this, and I think the bottom line is that we don't know, Crowley, what was said between the two sides as he was walking out that door. And I, will... I really think big picture that Rizzo went for the money, but I will give him credit on going for winning. Not like a couple of the other guys who just ran for big money and hibernation, if you will, <clears throat> Chris Bryant. Um, at least Rizzo went somewhere where he thought he could win and where he was wanted, because if we listen to Wilson Contreras, it's very big to know that where you're going, you are wanted. But I think Anthony Rizzo really could have been um, the next Mr. Cub, this generation's right. Mr. Cub, right? He could have been, he could have been Ron Santo-ish, right? He could have been adored by Cubs fans. And I'm just saying, now that he's gone, I think coming back that that's not even guaranteed. Oh, no, absolutely not guaranteed. But but uh, if you would have stuck around, I think it would be a guarantee. Regardless yeah. of how regardless of how this season or the season before that or how the next season ends up. I always remember Greg Maddox coming back, and I never thought that would happen. So I always keep my, uh, you know, the options open, and I think he'd be, you know, if you're, you know, if I had my choice between Abreu and Rizzo, i go Rizzo all the way, you know, and if that means spending a little bit more, Again, neither guy should be – I mean, Rizzo, you know, he's going to be, what, we said with 33. You know, I, I wouldn't do any more than a two-year contract for either of those guys. And if Rizzo wants to keep kind of doing what he's been doing, which is these smaller year uh, opt-out type deals, then that, that's fine. But if, if, you know, it would be a great story to have him come home, you know. People tend to forget that Ron Santo finished on the south side with the White Sox. And if you look at Billy Williams, you know, he finished with the uh, – Oakland A's. 
you know, sometimes that happens and it's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, that's what made the real Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub. Never put out a different uniform other than that Chicago Cub uniform in the major leagues. So I would say that, you know, it'd be a great story to have Rizzo come back. Um, I'd love to see uh, a reunion. Uh, I don't like looking at a number 48. I want to see number 44 back. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and keep watching that. Like you said, Josh Bell, someone we want to watch in San Diego and keep watching that first base market just because we know that that's really the spot that you're going to see action. Keep in mind one more thing is that Anthony Rizzo and David Ross are very good friends and they are also share the same agent. So there always can be more connections in the background that you may not see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a great point. I was going to bring that up as well. Crowley, I thought of you when I saw this on social media within the last 10 days. We're talking about great Cubs that wore other uniforms. Did you see the tweet? I don't know if I retweeted it, but did you know that Fergie Jenkins played for the White Sox? That he was actually signed? I don't know that he ever played, but he actually signed a contract with the White Sox. I did not know that, and I thought, it's funny. I thought, wow, and then I thought of you. I was thinking right around 84, 85 would have been that contract would, would have been my understanding. So, you know, luckily he never wore that uniform. It's brutal to see Ron Santo in it. Um, right. But uh, yeah, but I know you're a big Fergie guy. And when I saw that, I thought, I thought of you and it was something that I had never, uh, it was something that I had never heard about. You know, Fergie, Fergie had a couple different stops along the way, Philly, Texas, you know, all that stuff. It, it's, uh, you know, actually the Cubs uh, stealing Fergie from Philly was one of the greatest deals of all time for Chicago. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, we get in our head. We want these guys to be Cubs forever. And, and like I said, the only one I can think of is Ernie really. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 42. We call this one No Way Jose. And right now, Crowley talks to the Spanish voice of the Cubs, Miguel Esparza. All right, viene el primer lanzamiento para Javilas, el batazo. That excited voice right there is our next guest joining me on Fly the W uh, podcast, the voice of the Cubs, the Spanish voice of the Cubs, the Spanish voice of the Blackhawks, the Spanish voice of the Chicago Bears. I call him the hardest working man in show business, Miguel Esparza. <laughs> Miguel, how you doing today, buddy? Probably. I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you for the invite. Oh, uh, you know, this is, this has been, uh, I wanted to get you on fly the W for a while. I had you on the old podcast and, uh, you know, that was that first time I ever, ever heard th this Miguel Esparza guy that, that Javi <laughs> bias call that ended up going viral. And yeah. I remember sitting there thinking to myself, who is this guy and why have I not heard more of him? So Miguel, if you do me a favor, uh, tell our listeners a little bit just about how, um, how long have you been with the Cubs for? With the Cubs, uh, 2018, filling in here and there. Um, and then last year was the full season that I had. And um, 
just took off from there. You know, it was it was finally last year when uh, my company where I work for San Miguel, this is you this season. That's when I said, well, I'm going to get grab the bulls by the horn and, and make sure I, I do something big of it, you know? Yeah. And so you grew up in Chicago. Did you grow up a Cub fan? Yeah, absolutely. Born and raised Cubs fan. <laughs> so it's always been there. And now who are the broadcasters that you tended to listen to when you were listening to Cubs fan Cubs games growing up? Always Pat and Ron, you know, it was, it was, you know, it's something about, obviously I guess I'm biased because radio for me is, is my career. It's what I do. Um, but I, I would always choose radio over TV, nothing against Chip Carey, Len Casper, you know, not Steve Stone at the time. But for me, when I thought Cubs, it was Pat and Ron, Ron, uh, not, not, not Coomer, Ron Santo and, and obviously Coomer right now, he's great. And, and when he jumped in and, and, you know, so he became part of it as well, but those were my guys, you know, from, from the get go. So I, I, you know, when I was growing up, my mom is from South America and my, and her parents, you know, they were family of immigrants. They never lived more than a block apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And so I, I grew up in like, kind of like a bicultural household. So from like, when I got home from school at three o'clock till about six 30, everything was in Spanish. And then when my <laughs> dad came home from about six 30 to bedtime was in English. But when I first, you know, when I listened to your baseball calls it kind of brings me back to listening to, to some of the old soccer matches that I remember just kind of growing up and listening to just the excitement and the passion that you kind of have on some of your home run calls. And when you mentioned Ron Santo, I kind of laugh because he used to always joke around about his Italian heritage and how he was just such an emotional guy. And he brought yeah. that to the game. Do you think some of that rubbed off on you or how much Absolutely. do you think of it as cultural or all of that? No, it was, it was just listening to his passion for the game and his, Oh no's and his, the way that he lived and broadcast those games. It was something that for me stuck with me. However, it wasn't like when I started broadcasting, I, I didn't say, Oh, I want to be like Ron Santo. You know, it wasn't in the back of my head, but yeah, I guess it rubbed off on me in, in a certain way. But I, I guess it also has to do with the fact that I started broadcasting sports in the city where I was born and for the teams that I rooted for, you know, the Cubs, the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks. Um, when I broadcast in 2020, I broadcast for the White Sox. And, and that for me was just different because it was like, it's not my team. First, first game that I broadcast was against the Cubs. And I was like, what do I do here? You know, <laughs> but <laughs> Obviously, you know, I have to be professional and, and, and make that broadcast sound socks inclined, you know, but it, it, it really helps to be able to broadcast the teams that I love. And, and that's just that where that's where that passion comes from. And, and you're you never kind of grew up intending to be a baseball or sports broadcaster. No. That wasn't in the cards originally. Is that right? No, no, not at all. I, I never thought about it. Um I didn't think about radio at all. I was 18 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I was working at a restaurant. Um, and, and from there, my dad had a grocery store. So I was taking care of that, but I was like, what am I going to do with my life? You know? And then all of a sudden I, I was watching late night TV, saw a commercial for a broadcasting school in Lombard. And I said, you know what, let me give it a try. And it worked out. I started as an intern, got into production. I learned everything you could learn about radio because I knew the importance of being, you know, complete in the sense of the word where I wasn't just a broadcaster. I can manage a board. I can I can troubleshoot. I actually put one of the studios together with one of the engineers. So, you know, it was it was one of the things that I, that I always wanted to do was just be uh, useful with sports. It, it, it's, it was funny because in 2003. I, I just had the idea. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to ask for credentials for these teams and, and grab some content and, and just, you know, put it on the radio as a segment. I had a morning show at the time. So I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. So I, they gave me credentials and the Cubs did and uh, the White Sox did at the time. The Bears did as well. But I was most of the time I was there at Wrigley and I was I was just recording reactions of, of the crowd. And and I was able to be on the field when the Cubs uh, won that division in 2003 um, Sammy Sosa sprayed me with champagne, you know, those little things. And, and, uh, but I never thought that my career would go in the sports direction at all. It was just a thing where 
I said, well, why not take advantage of it? Because, you know, I love sports. And if I could get in for free and, and, and get some of these, you know, reactions and whatnot and get some content, I said, well, why not do it? Well, your, your real love initially to get into radio was to try to get your, something with your singing, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I always wanted to sing. That, that, that's my passion. That's, that's what I love to do. And at some point I said, well, well, how can I get into how, you know, how can I get into into music? And, and when I saw that commercial, that's what popped into my head. I was like, dude, like get into radio and then you'll have your music on the radio, you know, and <laughs> and, and it happened. It, it actually did happen. I recorded I recorded a CD back in 2007 and it's uh, regional Mexican music. And uh, at the time, one of the program directors, when, when my CD came out, he actually interviewed me and put my song on the radio. So it happened. I toured Milwaukee, Pennsylvania, played at Aragon. Um, so it, it kind of happened, not to the extent that I wanted it to happen, but it happened. And so, you know, one of the things that I got to find out for you as, as we become friends is that you were an Elvis impersonator. How did that happen? Yeah, so... Um, so I'm, I'm going to correct you here. I'm an Elvis tribute artist. Tribute uh, artist. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> I know, uh, Danny corrected you the other day. And, and it's important because, um, I, I'm not trying to be Elvis. I'm not Elvis. You know, all I do is pay tribute to what he was and what he did with music. And, and so how that came about, there was a little gap in between where I wasn't at a radio station. And so I was working uh, remotely for a radio station in Mexico and a radio station in Kentucky, but I wasn't physically at a radio station here. So I was like, man, what do I have? What do I do with my life right now? You know, I need, I need the income obviously. And a cousin of mine worked at a casino in uh, Joliet. I called him up. I said, Hey, listen, I'm looking for a job. Do you guys have anything available? And he said, well, go on the website. If you find something that you like, let me know. And I'll let my boss know. I went on there and it said celebrity pit dealer. I was like, dude, this sounds interesting, you know? So <laughs> I, <laughs> I click on the, on the link and it said, must know how to sing, dance, or lip sync, something along those lines. I was like, well, I can sing. Called him up. I said, what's this about? What, what, what's going on here? He said, well, they're going to have an area at the casino where they're going to have different impersonators of different artists and um, they're going to be dealing blackjack. So I said, listen, I know how to sing like Elvis. And he was like, okay, give me a second. I'm going to call my, my, my boss, calls her up and says, Tony, you know, I got my cousin who sings like Elvis. She's like, can he come into the casino right now? Said, Miguel, can you come? Yeah. Grab my guitar, jump in my car, and I drive to Joliet. And uh, played a couple of songs for them. Uh, there was like three three people there. And played a couple of songs. When I left the casino, my, my cousin calls me. He's like, hey, my boss just called and told me to tell you to grow your sideburns. So that was <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> Got the job right then and there. And then it was learning how to deal blackjack, which was just a whole nother world. And, and it was fun. You know, I, 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 I can say that at some point in my life, I was a blackjack dealer. And, and you, got to, you, you got to do your sports career your singing career, and little did you know that your sports career and your singing career would intersect. Miguel to the ball game. Cubs finish radio broadcaster Miguel Esparza. Feliz mes de la herencia hispana. ¿Dónde están los latinos? Let's count it out. Here we go. En español. A la una. A las dos y a las tres. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Oh, Miguel. <laughs> I, so that still get is. Still good Charlie. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate dream. I, I, I've done so much with the Cubs in my life. There's yeah. one bucket licks item, and you kick that bucket, man. Tell me, all of a sudden, I think it was Johnny B playing for you, right, John? Benedict? Yeah, John, Johnny, Johnny was there. Um, so it happened. Actually, this is the second time that I do it. Last year, I, I had the opportunity to do it as well, and it all came about being proactive. Like this has worked for me in my life so much, just being proactive and knowing what it is that you want and asking for it. This is the important part. So when all these videos last year start going viral with my home run calls. I reached out to the Cubs, to Joe Rios, who's been fantastic to us. He's the, the, the relationship that we've built with Joe has been amazing. 
And I said, Joe, listen, uh, well, I talked my Joe from Univision calls Joe from the Cubs. I said, Joe, uh, to my Joe, I said, look, listen, you know, my stuff is going crazy on, on social media right now. I think you should reach out to the Cubs and let them know that I want to sing the national anthem and the seventh inning stretch. And he says, all right, I'll do that right now. And before I had done that, well, no, no, that happened. He reached out. He said, okay, let me see what we can do. So I found Joe Rios, the next homestand. And I said, Joe, if you ever need somebody to sing the stretch or the anthem, I'm your guy. So about a week later, yes, Miguel, we have a spot uh, towards the end of the season. And, you know, that's you. And as soon as I did that, the next day, Joe was like, we'll just get ready for next year. You know, so it was cool to have that that um, appreciation on, on behalf of the Cubs and, and invited me for the second year. But the second year was more it was there was something about it. It was so special. And and just being there and and, and uh, I think the second time, like I said, it's just sweeter. It was something about it. I don't know what it was. Uh, let me let me try to take a guess here is that number one, you sit there and they gave you that beautiful City Connect jersey. Oh, I mean, I think of beauty. <laughs> I, I mean, so that that right there has got to get you up. And then you got to do both the anthem and the stretch. Yeah. And and so there there's I think, you know, I've been around a long, 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 long time around Wrigley Field, uh, Miguel, you know that. But there's yeah. kind, there's kind of like a switching of the guard. And there's a lot of fresh young talent, whether it's you, whether it's uh, Jeremiah uh, Paparaki, the, the PA yeah. announcer, whether it's John and Josh on the organ. There's this group that's kind of bubbling up of new talent. And all of a sudden, I think to me, like seeing Johnny out there playing, seeing you out there singing, seeing Jeremiah getting to do all his things. It's just been such an absolute pleasure. And, and, and I think you guys as, as new blood are, are kind of injecting more energy into the fan base. And so you're singing to those 40,000 people. That's also, that was for a uh, Hispanic heritage month. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I said, donde están los Latinos and that place erupted, I was like, Whoa, like, you know, I didn't expect it. I really didn't, but it was so cool to get that reaction, you know, and, and, and get, get that kind of, and you touched something very important, which is the fan base. I connected so much more with the fan base this year. I was able to meet so many people. It was just, like I said, it was great all around. Obviously, on field, it wasn't what we were expecting or what we wanted to happen, what we were expecting. Obviously, there was really no expectations this year. But everything that came about this year, it was just beautiful in general. It was, it was a real good time. Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, for people that don't know, you know, this is my Superman outfit, but like, I do have a normal mild mannered job and I do work with Latino students. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I try to kind of get them to learn about baseball, but it's hard because maybe they don't have a lot of knowledge about it and, and, and the language barrier. But now, you know, I always would hear the, you know, and press the you know, spam button to hear it in Spanish. But now all of a sudden I have more of like an interest in doing that and, and, and now telling my kids, hey, you can listen to this guy and you can learn a little bit about baseball. It's a lot of fun. Do you kind of feel excited to maybe kind of bring in a different group of people into baseball that may not be familiar with the game? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and here's the thing, you know, there's a lot of people like me, my age group that we speak both languages, but we prefer it in Spanish. You know, there, there's there's something about just l listening to to sports in Spanish and, and, and there's something about it, you know, so it, it is very good. It, it's good that we have that SAP option now on Marquee. Um, they've been real good about doing that and, and also like putting a lot of my my calls on on the post game show. They've invited me to do the pregame. So it, it's been one of those things that that I feel that the growth has been so much in, in general. And yeah, touching uh, getting close to the the, the younger generations and, and teaching them about the sport has been great as well. Like I, I love that that we have that tool and we have it on the MLB app. You can listen to our broadcast in Spanish. You, you can't imagine the amount of messages I get from Venezuela, from uh, Puerto Rico, from Mexico. It's just amazing, and it blows my mind. Yeah, you know, I just wish that was around when my grandparents were alive. That was the one thing I always tried to get them into baseball, and I couldn't. Yeah. And I think if they would have heard <laughs> you, they would have absolutely loved you. But, you know, I remember watching you, and I'm, like, sitting here going, like, man, the Cubs are just totally underutilizing this guy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like when you watch a baseball player that's just rotting on the bench, I'm like, why is Miguel not doing more? Next thing I know, I'm starting to see stuff like this. <laughs>
¿Qué tal? ¿Cómo están? Bienvenidos nuevamente a Béisbol y Más. Y bueno, en este episodio tenemos un invitado súper mega especial en Christopher Morel, que ha venido aquí a causar impacto, no solamente en el terreno de juego, pero también con los aficionados. Muchas gracias, la que sí. Gracias por la oportunidad de estar contigo aquí. Y tiene un gran fan también. So, how funny is, for those of you on the podcast listening that may not speak Spanish, Christopher Morel tells Miguel, I'm a big fan of you. How did that have to feel? <laughs> tell, tell me about it, you know? And, and it's it's funny because when, when I'm showing him uh, the video of, of my home run call, of his home run, he's like, you don't have an idea of how many times I played this. And every time it goes out, I yell, la moto! You know, so just to hear that, it's like, man, you know, I never imagined something like that from, from a Cubs player. And, and just, and that's another thing you, you touched upon the, the young talent that, that we have at Wrigley, but we're also getting that connection with the young players, you know, and, and having that, creating that relationship with these players that are very appreciative of the opportunity and something like this, you know, having baseball Limas, which was like a, a Cubs production idea to do. Um, and, and just something, something so simple yet so special just to give them that platform as well. It, it's been, it's been amazing. And that, and that's the thing here is that without, you know, you and Cubs production taking that step, the Cubs have a lot of interesting players who may have a language barrier, but the fact is fans just fell in love with Christopher Morrell. Yeah. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes is a guy that was really funny, you know, but I, I can, I can tell you, you know, it's hard when you're speaking a language that's not your first language to be able to right. communicate a hundred percent what you want if you're not truly bilingual. And so to have somebody to sit there and talk to, To me, whether you understand it or not, you can even just read the, they have it on closed caption so you can read it. Yeah. And it's just kind of fun to, to understand their standpoint. And there are so many amazing stories of some of these Latino baseball players that if they didn't have baseball emas and that option, you really wouldn't know much about their personality. And I think that that could be a huge asset to the organization of growing the fan base later on. Yeah, you know, it, like I said, I was honored beyond you can imagine, you know, because it was just they reached out and Miguel, are, are you willing to do something like this? I said, absolutely. You know, and, and that was the main reason to get to know these players and have the fans know that these players, like you mentioned, they're great personalities. You saw uh, Morel, you've, you've already interacted with Morel and he's amazing as, as you see him on the field. That's how he is in real life. Uh, another one that's very quiet. But very cool. And that was the last episode I did um, with Baseball Imaz was Manny Rodriguez. And this guy, he was great, you know, but he's very quiet. But now you could you could see that personality come through on that episode of Baseball Imaz. So it, it is very important. It, it really is to have something like that and, and be able to showcase these young players. Rafael Ortega is a guy that had an absolute yeah. blast with you in the booth. I thought he was oh, yeah. just, he was hilarious. I didn't he know was. that about Rafael Ortega. Okay, you with Morel, it just transcends. But like right. with Rafael Ortega, I didn't know he was as funny and entertaining as he was <laughs> until I watched that episode of Baseball He Must. Yeah, and he called his home run. I had him. So that's what, what one of the things that I did throughout that those episodes was have them call one of their home run calls or, or have them, you know, it, I kind of envisioned like, welcome to my world come from Elvis, obviously his song. And it was that it was just coming to my world. I'll go into yours kind of deal. So that's, that was what was behind having the, the players call their home runs. I did it with Patrick wisdom as well. He called a home run, uh, one of his home runs. So it, it was that, and that was another thing we, we didn't want to just do Spanish speaking sp players, We wanted to be able to showcase a lot of these players in different ways. So, you know, it was good that Cubs Productions were also willing to have me do some stuff in English. Now, when I was growing up, I try to remember, I think the first Spanish broadcaster I remembered was Fernando Valenzuela uh, was kind of the first name I remembered. Was there anybody, it didn't Spanish or not Spanish, but anybody that's kind of mentored you through the process of being a play-by-play -play announcer? You know, not really. Uh, uh, not really. I... I <laughs> I, what, some of the guys now have asked me about, like, for example, um, where do you get your, your research? Do you have a spotter? No, I don't have none of that. Like I, I pulled all my information for every game for, you know, so, so I didn't have that luxury of having somebody. So I've learned on the job and, uh, but what I've done now is help other 
young broadcasters um, when they approach me for anything. You know, it, it's it's been one of those things where where I feel fortunate to be able to share my knowledge and what I've learned in, in my career and and just you know be open to that. I think that's very important to to be able to to have that to be approachable. I think more than anything because some people try you know to talk to some uh, other people and 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 they might not be approachable and you that might just turn you off completely from what you're trying to do you know so it's always been very important to to have that connection with people who who have questions about what you do now i gotta ask i mean to me like like you i'm more of a baseball radio fan i'm like a more of a radio aficionado how much more difficult is it to do say you've done i know you've done the bulls i know you've done the black i know you do right now the blackhawks and yeah. and, the, and the bears baseball kind of lends itself a little bit easier it's a little bit more would you say easier to call as far as just kind of the the pace and the rhythm um it, it is um but but it also i i think that it's it's very important because it's such a beautiful sport and 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 there's so much in the sport itself and and during the game and and so many things that happen that i think it it is yes smoother in the sense of you know the pace but so many things could happen during a baseball game, you know? So you always, I think there's, there's never one of those moments where it's like, Oh, you know, I wish I was doing hockey right now, speaking at a thousand miles an hour, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> so, which is, you know, and it's, it, I, I, I love baseball in general. So I think that's, that's where I, I go more towards. Um, I, I really enjoy every other sport that I broadcast, but I, I think that's the one that I really love. I got to ask you a question. If they ever came up and you know that sometimes, you know, obviously Pat Hughes is, is uh, going to be hopefully a hall of famer Ford for a call of famer. But if they ever asked you, Hey, you know, Pat's doing the TV today, would you come in and do the radio? Have you ever thought about anything like that before? Um, doing it in I, English. I've thought about it. It's in the back of my head. Um, I feel that with the relationship that I've been creating with both um, the score and marquee, I think that could be a possibility somewhere down the road. I, I don't see um, why not. It, it wouldn't be, um, but it, it's something that I've never done. You know, I've never, the only broadcast that I've done in English has been with the Chicago dogs. And it's been as an analyst, my friend, Sam brief, he invites me over uh, here and there. And, and so that's been, that's been where I kind of get my practice and in, in, in doing the, the English side of it. But I've never really tried uh, doing play-by-play -play in Spanish. I mean, in English. And I did it on Baseball y Mas with uh, Patrick Wisdom. And so it was it was interesting. But, yeah, you know, I, I would definitely be open to it. Absolutely. I think that's something that, you know, I, I would never say no to. I just yesterday somebody asked me like what are what are your plans i said well i i want to retire cubs broadcaster no matter how it is or where it is you know absolutely what what a dream and i really appreciate you miguel for coming on where no, would fans you. that are listening to this right now where would they you also do some radio shows on 780 correct uh yeah yeah so i'm on uh wvbm news radio uh, 105.9 FM and 780 AM. So I'm on there sometimes. So I was there this week, this past weekend. Um, you know, it's something that uh, whenever they need me, I'm there with baseball. It's so hard to get into the newsroom to do it. But now over the winter, you'll be able to hear me more. Uh, I'm a news anchor there. So that that itself, you know, it was very interesting how it all happened. I started as an assistant producer. Uh, Jeff Joniak brought me on as a sports anchor. And then I went as a news anchor on, on BBM. So that itself has been just amazing, uh, an amazing ride also. And if they want to catch you calling the Bears games, where would they find you over that one? Uh, Bears 93.5 FM. That's where we where we have the every Bears game home and away. Um, so you can listen there. That's that's our, our broadcast station, because sometimes on 1200 AM, we have other things going on, but it will always be on 93.5 FM. And uh, how about the Blackhawks? Blackhawks, that's on 1200 a.m. So 12. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, the busiest man in sports. Man, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. I have to. You have to. You have to do it, man. <laughs> and, and and where would they find you as far as social media is concerned? Miguel's voice on Twitter. I need to get those numbers up. Come on. We need we need followers on there. Miguel's voice on Twitter and on Instagram, Facebook. Find me as Miguel Esparza Radio. Miguel, appreciate you, my friend. I can't wait Thank to you. see you again. And, and all I keep thinking is bigger and better things are coming for you. 
Thank you so much, my friend. Greatly appreciate you. And before we go, thank you to all the students. If you're listening from Wheeling High School, thank you so much for having me. It was it was a ball. Thank you so much. The, the kids absolutely loved it, and we appreciated you coming out. We're going to leave you with one more Miguel Esparza home run call just to get you fired up. <laughs> You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. We're calling this one No Way Jose. It's season one. It's episode 42. And Crowley, we are this close to having the league championship series set. The NLCS is set. We've got the Phillies in San Diego taking on the Padres Tuesday night. Hugh Darvish is pitching in that one. And he's going against his former teammate, Kyle Schwarber. Those are at-bats that I am going to make sure I catch. I'm not going to say I'm going to catch them live. I will fire up the DVR for sure. In the other side, on the ALDS side, the Divisional Series, Seattle was swept by the Astros. We're going to get into that in a second. And as we're towing this podcast for you, the Yankees jumped out to a quick 4-0 lead on the Guardians in that game right now in the top of the third. And yes, Aaron Judge, actually, excuse me, the top of the fifth now. And Aaron Judge homered in the top of the bottom of the second inning, putting the Yankees up 4-0. Right now it is 4-1 Yankees. The news keeps coming in. And as I'm talking, Ramirez with a sacrifice fly. So 4-1 Yankees right now in the top of the fifth inning. Yeah, it's been a really fun postseason. Um, you know, all the games. You, you were, I know you were concerned it was going to get a little chalky, but uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it's been. Uh, Could I it's have been, been more any, wrong? Anything but that, and even the games that you know we all thought Houston was going to win, um, but it, it was that series was just amazing. It, it, it's, even though it was a sweep, it would, Seattle gave Houston all they could handle and more. Uh, Jordan Alvarez in game one, they came, they, Houston, uh, Seattle was up seven to three in the eighth. And Jordan Alvarez was the hero on that one, a walk-off homer to give the Astros an eight to seven victory. It was the second walk-off homer in postseason history by a team down to its final out. Do you remember the other one, Dustin? Mm-hmm. Walk-off homer in the postseason history by a team down to its final out. Walk off. Uh, what if I pump my fist like this? Is that uh, the Dodgers? Is that uh, Dodgers A's? Dodgers A's, Kurt Gibson and uh, former Cub Dennis Eckersley. That was the other one. So yep. I, imagine all the just had the reunion. We just had the reunion that one. Love yeah, that moment. Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's hard to believe that. Um, Jordan Alvarez again gave the Astros a, uh, a they were down two to one and uh, in the six before Jordan Alvarez hit a two run blast to give him a three to two lead. They'll hold on to four to two. And then Dustin in the first postseason game in Seattle game three, since 2001, the game went 18 innings before Jeremy Pena hits a solo home run, six hours, 22 minutes, 500 total pitches. How many beers and hot dogs do you think were sold at that game? That That is far, far too long before we started recording. Crawley and I were talking offline, if you will, about this. I'm not sure exactly what the right number is. Maybe the 11th inning, maybe after the 12th. But the Manford man on second might really have a place. Because had the Mariners gone ahead and won that game in the 18th or 19th inning, they would have been basically having to use positional players to pitch (laughs) in game number four. And then the Astros probably would have won that anyway. So I think at some point there has to be a limit on this. Well, you know, unfortunately, I would say the players would never, ever agree to something like that. I've taught, you know, same thing with hockey where they don't have the shootout in the postseason, right? And so when you're talking about baseball, they, they want, if you're going to win it, you have to earn it. None of this free stuff. They're not going to give it to you. Not in the postseason. <laughs> and so the thing that's tough for the fans is that they cut off beer sales at a certain point. Cause I've been at. Oh, that's long, true. That's true. Yeah. yeah longest like game the, I've been at was bottom 15 of the or seventh, 16 innings. Maybe bottom yeah. of the seventh, they cut it off. Yeah. Depending Boy, on where you're you think, at. 
then they think, huh, should we readjust this? Maybe we'll, we're going to open it back up for one more inning. <laughs> that would be great because I've been in those long games and all of a sudden you got a good buzz going and then it's gone and then you're just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen. And Boy, think about the money lost in that situation, Crowley. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it's... It, it's difficult to see, but I can never see them using a Manford man for postseason baseball. Just, just uh, too crazy, you know. Yeah. Well, if there would have been a game four, then we might have had something to talk about. But you're probably right, as usual. All right. So that's how the Astros got over to the uh, League Championship Series on the American League side. The Guardians and Yankees, of course, have gone to a Game 5. They were supposed to play Game 5 on Monday. That one got weathered out after a a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. Imagine how many beers got sold while they were waiting that one out. So Game 5 in New York going on right now in the fifth inning. Yankees on top, 4-1. to Let's move over to the NLDSI. I got to tell you, it was fun, obviously, watching the Cubs in postseason baseball. The crowds were fantastic. I was only at... One game as they went on their World Series run. That was the game Baez homered off of uh, Johnny uh, Cueto. Johnny Cueto put it in the basket. Um, that was the one game I had went to. Fantastic night. But I got to tell you, those Philly fans were fantastic at those games in Philly, Philadelphia. That was a cool, cool sight. You, you love to see the fans in it. And people sometimes, you know, people have asked me over the years what my favorite game I've ever gone to. I'm going to take Field of the Dreams out of it because that, that was more like a unique factor, right? Right. But if I was to say a crowd that was the most in it that I ever saw was game six of the NLCS in 2016, Kyle Schwarber versus Clayton Kershaw. And you would, that was the most electric crowd. And, and, you know, it just felt like, you know, like that old 12th man type thing, you know, where, where, the, where the crowd really just got in the head of Kershaw where was just cheering every pitch. There was never that. Oh no, we're dreaded. You know, we're, we're nervous looking thing. The Cub fans were in it from the beginning. They were loud and the place was rocking. And that's what I love to see. And when postseason baseball returns to Chicago, it's what I want to see again. Um, you get a little Chicago flavor with the Philly series because you got uh, Kyle Schwarber, and Nick Castellanos in it. Uh, Schwarber struggled uh, during the series but Nick Castellanos kind of came a little bit alive, so good for him. Uh, in game one, he went three for five with three RBIs. So that was pretty exciting. And not only that, he made a catch that basically saved the game right there. You're Nick Castellanos, never known for the glove. but uh, No, that was Jason Hayward-esque, that defensive play. Yeah, sliding on his back after you know Atlanta started slow and then they were firing back, making a ninth-inning rally. And, uh, you know, it was uh, Castellanos who got the second out that saved the day after Atlanta scored, uh, what, like five runs, you know. in the So it was, it was an exciting one, exciting game. And then when you take a look at game three, that was an exciting one as well as the Phillies scored six in the third, three in the seventh. You saw Reese Hopkins hit a three-run blast. Was the bat spike a little much for you or not? Uh, just a touch, okay? Like – there's bat flips, and then there was that. Yeah, I, I did not approve of that at all. I would not have approved if a Cub had done that. You can call BS on me all you want. No, that was a little bit over the top. Act like you've ever hit a home run in your life. Uh, Bryce Harper hits a home run as well. No, no, no response? You, you're, I'm, you're okay I'm, with I'm struggling with it, Dustin. I don't know. Like Part of you wants to see the fire and the flare, and then – there was another one. It where wasn't it, like the final inning walk off, and I don't even know if that would have been acceptable. I mean, right. it was in the, still in the middle of the game. We had another one of those instances, Dustin, when you were talking about Cleveland and the last the last game. It was in uh, the last game that they played, uh, where Garrett Cole was pitching and Josh Naylor hit a solo shot, and he did this little baby rocking motion, like I, you're, I'm your daddy, is what was told is that that was the origin of that. That one, to me, see, I, I, I was like, with both of them, it's almost like you don't want to take, you don't want baseball to be stale or boring. You get what I'm saying? I think that sometimes with young people, that's where you lose them. You know, is that like, you know, in, you know sometimes you don't want to take the fun factor out. At the same time, you know, to say that I'm your daddy to a pitcher after you hit a home run and you're still not even winning the game. Uh, you know, you start to have questions about how far you take it. And that's where I don't know where the line is. And I hate to be the one to draw it. 
Um, I don't think I'll draw it. I'll draw it, Crowley. <laughs> that was way past it. Okay. That was way past the line. I thought the baby cradle was a little bit worse than the bat spike, but uh, you know what, man? It's that was stupid. That was stupid too. That uh, guy, what was it? Jose Bautista with the bat flip. You remember yeah. that one years oh, ago? Gosh. Right. In Toronto. That started, that started this whole argument, right? I mean, there was a t-shirt of it, um, you know, but then, then, you know, Tim Anderson decided to do a bat flip slam down on a Tuesday getaway day against the Royals with about 2,500 people in paid attendance at 35th and Shields. It's like, come on, at least know when to do an obnoxious bat flip. <laughs> well, you know, the, the it was fun to see the Phillies enjoying it. They were partying it up. I mean, just great, you know, just just fun to see. And, and like I said, I, if there's one guy that's fun to party with, it's Kyle Schwarber, and good to see him enjoying the postseason. Yeah, I just put this into our uh, our notes, Crowley. Wanted to get your reaction to it. Um, somebody sent this at me and thought I would get all off the rails. But ex-Cub Kyle Schwarber and an ex-Red Sox celebrated the Philly Fanatics. He said, quote, no offense to any of the fan bases because they're all amazing, but this is by far the best divisional series I've ever seen at a home game. Just how electric it was. They are in tune with every big pitch in every big spot. It was just electric. I don't, disappointing, I don't, disappointing to hear that. Or, I mean, what do you expect him to say was kind of my response to it. Right. I mean, he said what he had to say. And, and right. I think, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, everybody, you know, you have to kind of say, and he, I think he did it in a way that was not disrespectful to Cub fans or Washington or you know anyone, Boston. Uh, it was a fun series. And you're asking the guy in the heat of the moment, you know, maybe in 10 years, his answer will be a little bit different. I don't know. I, I don't ever want to, you know, shame somebody for having fun and enjoying it. And, you know, you know, you commented yourself, it was electric. You could just tell from it. Um, remember that Kyle Schwarber didn't play in any uh, really in any division series, if that's what we're talking about um, in postseason with the Cubs in 2016, that big run. I don't know. 2015 was pretty damn electric when I'm thinking about it. Now they had the six home run game versus the Cardinals at home in 2015, which was absolutely nuts. And oh. then there was the one where they, the next game, the clinching game, where he, th he hit the one on top of the scoreboard. Right. And I was at both of those games, and the place was rocking. So let's just chalk it up to recency bias. How's that? Yeah, and he had nothing. I mean, what was he supposed to say? You know, this was great Philadelphia, but the best time I ever had was at Wrigley Field. He would have gotten murdered in <laughs> Philadelphia for absolutely. saying something like that. All right, he so the Phillies – and the two ex-Cub factors that you brought up, Crowley, are on their way. Well, they're actually there because the game is tonight. They are in San Diego. They are taking on the Padres. And the Padres, after losing game one, we talked about this already, Trey Turner, the guy that a couple of us want to be playing shortstop for the Cubs, hit a solo home run in that game. The Dodgers jumped out to a 5 nothing lead. San Diego rallied for three, but the Dodgers held on. They win game five, or game one, 5-3. to three. Then... Game two, you Darvish, Blake Snell in game three, and then Joe Musgrove in game four, and boom, boom, boom. Dodgers, gone. All the 100-win teams, gone. The Padres, yeah. the Padres hosting the Phillies tonight, you Darvish against Kyle Schwartz. We talked about it, right? We talked about it throughout the records, and, and, and I was just kind of watching this, and I'm saying to myself, man, that is, you know, as you went down the list of Snell and Darvish and Musgrove, you know, and, and you look at the lineup and, and it was an underachieving lineup in the second half for the Padres. They made those trades. Uh, you, you remember with Josh Bell and Juan Soto and Josh Hader. Josh Hader got off to an abysmal start. And it looked like that the Padres sold it all and were ending up with nothing and going bust. You know, they were struggling. They were struggling with my uh, Milwaukee to try to get in. It didn't seem like right. either team wanted to make it right. in there. And all of a sudden, now it's just kind of clicked into a different gear. And so I'm just wondering, you know, it's, you know, seeing what they did to the Dodgers. I did not have, if you remember, I had the Dodgers winning the World Series over the Astros was what I thought. And, you know, seeing what they did was just absolutely unbelievable. And that's what makes baseball fun. I brought it up here before. Usually the best teams make it into the postseasons. Not all the time do the best teams win the World Series, and, and the Dodgers found out, you know, the hard way. 
So, Crowley, NLCS starts tonight. Again, Phillies, Padres, where are you going on this one, Crowley? Well, considering I've uh, bet against the Phillies every single round, I'm going to bet against them one more time. I'm going to go with the Padres of San Diego. Uh, Boy, just the pitching and the firepower. Watching Manny Machado play defense made me angry. Remember, the Cubs were rumored it was at Machado-Harper year that everybody thought that, you know, it was at 2019, 17, 18, 20, so, yeah. 2019 that, that, you know, when I watch Machado play and think about the White Sox too. Oh my God, is that guy just so good on defense? So fun to watch. Um, it just, there's a lot of star power on that Dustin. And, and I just can't see them losing to the Phillies, but I also couldn't see the Phillies beating the Cardinals or the Braves. So what do I know? Right. I'm going to go the opposite just because I'm still anti you Darvish and I'm more pro Kyle Schwarber. So uh, Kyle Schwarber to do something big tonight against you Darvish, but uh, it should be a long series and I'm going to go Phillies in seven. And when we get back with you guys for season one, episode 43, we will have an official uh, ALCS. It will be underway at that point. It probably is going to be the Yankees against the Astros for sure. And um, I will be rooting for the Yankees. That I can guarantee you. Yeah, and, and 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 it'll be fun. And we'll kind of keep you updated on our socials of all the different ex-Cub factors going on here. You can follow me at Crawley's Cubs. You can follow us at FlyTheW670 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, FlyTheW on Facebook. And you can email us with any comments or suggestions at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Crowley, enjoy the uh, enjoy the games, and we'll be back with you towards the end of the week. Absolutely, Dustin. I know you'll be rooting for uh, Schwarber, and I got Darvish. We'll see who uh, ends up happier on Friday, my friend. Absolutely.